Welcome everyone. My name is Rachel Moses and I am Multimedia Editor for Thorax BMG and you are listening to our monthly podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Kate Chan from the Chinese University of Hong Kong and today we're going to be talking about the manuscript Childhood Obstructive Sleep Apnea is an independent determinant of blood pressure in adulthood. And this is a longitudinal follow-up study about to be published in Thorax BMJ. So welcome, Kate. We know that the cardiovascular, metabolic and quality of life impacts of OSA are well known, and it's relatively well reported in both children and more so in adults. But as a research group, you have specifically investigated the impact of childhood OSA as an independent determinant of blood pressure in adulthood. So can you talk me through the rationale of this? So uh, the major rationale is that we know hypertension is an important risk factor of cardiovascular and cerebrovascular morbidities and can also result into various end organ damage. So understanding the factors determining the blood pressure and whether it's modifiable would be very helpful in terms of prevention of hypertension and its related complications. So our group main research interest has been in childhood OSA and in particular the related cardiovascular complications. So we have previously shown in cross-sectional study that children with OSA are at high risk of having elevated blood pressure and nocturnal hypertension. We also looked at the intermediate mechanism linking BP and OSA, and that is endothelial function, which has been documented to be abnormal in children with OSA. So as we know, childhood elevated blood pressure can track into adulthood. And adult metabolic disease, and one of the risk factors for such, is elevated BP in childhood. So in order to build up us scientific evidence for the positive relationship between OSA and BP, longitudinal study will be a sensible next step, uh, especially with the availability of this cohort of ours. So with our cohort with a long follow-up period, we will be able to see whether childhood OSA could be an independent factor of having a higher blood pressure in adulthood. So it was rather unexplored in the past with such kind of long-term data. So you've mentioned the data. This was a prospective 10-year follow-up study and participants were recruited from a cohort established during your previous OSA epidemiology study. Your participants underwent clinical examination, overnight polysomography and 24-hour ambulatory BP monitoring. So tell us how you use this data to assess the relationship between childhood OSA and BP in adulthood. So uh, the relationship between childhood OSA and BP outcomes in the adulthood at 10-year follow-up was assessed by mainly two statistical methods. The first one was multivariate linear regression that we assessed the linear associations uh, between baseline childhood OSA with the BP outcomes at follow-up with adjustment for potential confounders such as sex, age, BMI, height, etc. And on the other hand, we assessed adjusted associations of childhood OSA with risk of hypertension and non-dipping of nocturnal blood pressure in adulthood using multivariable log binomial regression with inverse probability weighting. So uh, in this kind of long-term cohort studies, uh, loss to follow-up is rather inevitable. So inverse probability weighting was used to minimize the potential selection bias induced by loss to follow-up. Wow. And as a result of your study, we now know that childhood OSA 
was found to be an independent risk factor for adverse BP outcomes in adulthood. So what does this mean for clinical practice? What does this mean for us as the clinicians? So uh, with our study, we have shown that childhood OSA is an independent risk factor for adverse BP outcomes in adulthood. So correcting OSA may have a potential impact on the health of the public, but with adequate treatment of OSA, there is a possibility that it can reduce future cardiovascular morbidity and even mortality by lowering the blood pressure and reducing the prevalence of hypertension in adults. However, it still requires some more study and evidence to confirm. And in fact, our group is now also looking at randomized control trial for children with OSA to see whether treatment has any effect on blood pressure. And hopefully this will complete the last puzzle to prove the strongest scientific evidence for this relationship. So this information is very important for patient education. We often encounter parents and patients are being reluctant to have treatment for OSA, like surgery or CPAP, as they don't really see the long-term harmful effects of OSA. So with this information, we will be able to provide them with evidence to convince uh, them to undergo early treatment. So that's a really important point and it's kind of got me thinking about how well we as clinicians assess and identify childhood OSA like I'm I'm not a paediatrician so do do the paediatric clinical population do they look for this are we good at this is it the parents that present? Um, I would say that uh, as clinician, like a uh, family physician or uh, general pediatricians, I think uh, we can be better at recognizing the OSA uh, status or condition in children. That uh, actually in daily practice or uh, when we encounter children, I think uh, we should be encouraged to ask about whether the children have any snoring and also about their sleep quality or other sleep problems so that uh, the condition can be better recognized. Well, that's a great tip to take away from this paper and this podcast, Kate. So thank you very much. You're welcome. So many thanks, everyone, for listening. There is a hyperlink at the bottom of this podcast if you would like to access and read the full article. And please do leave feedback on the website or via our Twitter or Facebook page at ThoraxBMJ. Thank you very much. Thank you.